Okay, so here's the deal. Way back when there were four, five, no, four nations that all lived together in harmony. Then the Fire Nation went all crazy and attacked. So then there's Sky, right? He's the Avatar, master of all four elements, and the only one who could stop him. But classic Avatar, right? He, when the world needs him most, he just completely went AWOL. So like a billion years passed, and me and my brother actually discovered the new Avatar. Totally underground, it's this guy named A. And like, his airbending skills are pretty good, but he has a lot to learn before he's actually legit. You know, I'm just gonna say it, I believe Aang can save the world. Hello everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week we want to give a special shout out to our friend Michelle who read the intro. This is episode 25 of our podcast where we'll be discussing The Blind Bandit. So let's just get into it. Cool. The first scene opens up with this very scenic shot of a village in a valley, which reminded me a lot of Zhang Zhang Jiajie, I'm probably butchering this, National Forest in China, which if you have seen Avatar the Blue People is actually <laughs> where they're flying through the floating islands. It's inspired by that national park. Um, there's mm. these like towering pillars of rock all over the first scene. I thought sh- I just thought it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then it cuts to Team Avatar in the village. And Sokka is trying to purchase a bag and he's being incredibly indecisive. And after some back and forth banter, some guy in the street says, you kids like earthbending? You're like throwing rocks? They come check out Master Yu's Earthbending Academy. And I just thought, wow, what an enticing way to lure kids into your, into your white van. By yeah. enticing them by throwing rocks. <laughs> but then he hands them a flyer of an earthbending academy. And Kantara says, who knows? This Master Yu could be the earthbending teacher you've been looking for. And again, continuity. Are we just going to forget everything that happened in the swamp? What? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. They really just going for anybody who could be a viable, viable option at this point. But yeah, anyways, Aang gives the school a try and he puts on some Earth Kingdom garb and he's next to some really short students and he's like very unfocused. And then Master Yu says, now strike as if you're punching through your opponent's head. And I just have a fun fact about the voice actor here. The voice actor is Saab Shimono, uh, who voices Master Yu, and he also voiced Monkey Atsu. So I feel mm. like with a lot of the additional cast, uh, they reuse some voice actors, but it's cool how they're able to perform s- such different characters. Yeah, also, I just want to add, I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but I think the place that I remember this voice actor the most is the uncle from Jackie Chan. I don't know if you guys have watched that show, but... This is the quintessential. Is Jackie Chan a show? Yeah, it's a car- it was a cartoon show. The animated series, right? The animated series, yeah. Oh my god, I've never heard of that. Yeah, so Jackie Chan is like the protagonist and he has an uncle that's like bossing him around. And it's like this guy. Oh! His uncle. That's funny. Wow. Joyce, come on, you have to get in tune. In tune with your people. No, I only know Disney. But then Master Yu asks Aang if he wants to commit to more lessons and says, if you pay for the whole year in advance, I'll bump you up to the next belt. And a fun fact from the wiki, Master Yu and his academy are actually parroting uh, what are known as strip mall dojos or McDojos, where um, parents were able to kind of purchase belts for their kids or, you know, it's just generally like the, the theme of like chain martial arts academies Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. they're not actually really committed to the art they're more just there to give 
the credentials to yeah, the little belt children system is who, a sham yeah that, basically that i think the um I think Sifu Kisu, who was the advi- martial arts advisor for this whole show, and Brian Konitsko, who himself practiced martial arts, you know, which we talked about a little bit in episode zero, they both have great disdain for the belt system. So that was their little mm-hmm. jab at the McDojos, which I think is a funny term. Anyways, Aang leaves the school and says he's not the one. Uh, but then they hear some earthbending students around the corner talking about some earthbending tournament, and they're trying to find out what it, they're talking about and they're like no nah, we're not gonna tell you and then Katara's like oh like I'll get it out of them and she basically bullies them into telling them where the tournament is and she's like all right I have the info we're going to Earth Rumble 6 and yeah the way she got that information out of them was by freezing them sideways against the walls of two buildings with mm. their feet on the walls and their heads like against each other and they're just parallel to the floor and I just thought that was so cruel but I think it's funny I think we see a tough side of Katara in this episode where you know she may seem nice on the outside but it's always the nice ones you have to be the most wary of another comment I have here is maybe this Earth Rumble 6 which kind of reminds me of like WWE in the real world but maybe this is a type of like proto pro bending that we see before we see like actual pro bending in Korra Mm. Um, it's nice continuity yeah i thought the same thing i was like whoa that's so cool they did pro bending first also another fun fact i want to mention real quick is that one of the boys they don't have names which i was kind of surprised by because on the after wiki they have names for everybody but (laughs) one of the boys has a hairstyle that's very similar to the hippo it's just like a little tuft of hair at the like crown Mm. of the head um and so in the dvd commentary the creator said it was because he's a huge fan so that's that was cute. cute as well. So then the gang gets to Earth Rumble 6 and is hosted by the announcer Shinfu. And so Shinfu announces the boulder versus the hippo. Yeah. So just want to throw out another fun fact here. A uh, very fun fact heavy episode because it's not much going on. Bad season, you know. <laughs> anyway, the hippo actually has armpit hair. One of the very few characters that does, including, if you remember, King Bumi. Mm-hmm. He also exhibits some very interesting face Bending, another thing he shares with King Boomy. He like eats some rocks and like bends the rocks with his teeth. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Also, there this happens way later in the episode, but at one point, so he like eats the rocks with his mouth. But in one of the animations when he does that, when he chomps down on the rocks, he actually has a full set of teeth. And so I thought that was a little animation goof because he's called the hippo because he's like huge and he uh. has teeth like a hippo. Like he has four teeth in most of the time. But then there's one time where he's eating the rocks where he has full teeth. Yeah, you can't eat rocks without your molars. So. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't work also i have some fun facts about the boulder so Mm. the boulder is a reference to Dwayne the rock johnson um since he's darker skin he refers to himself in the third person and actually the voice actor for the boulder is this wrestler called mick foley who was i know nothing about wrestling i learned so much during doing while doing research for this episode but he was apparently one of the rock's biggest rivals and also closest friends so they couldn't get the rock to do the voice acting which i think They wanted him originally, so they got Mick Foley instead. And then just another fun fact about the boulder. If you look closely at the shots he's in, he has a tattoo of a badger mole on his back. Oh, wow. Did not notice that. 
Okay, I have two more fun facts for this section. So the voice actor for the hippo, his name is Kevin Michael Richardson. He also voices Tyro. Do you guys remember who Tyro is? No. Tyro? I didn't either. Tyro was Haru's father. Oh, wow. Throwback. So very different vibes again. Yeah, real throwback. And he voices the lion turtle in the series finale. (laughs) What? (laughs) So he's... I think he has major Avatar World street cred. And then finally, a little bit more inspiration for the hippo, other than the fact that he looks like a hippo. He is inspired by the professional wrestler Andre the Giant. So he was a French professional wrestler and actor. And I looked him up on Wikipedia and I thought, whoa, he looks really familiar. And actually, it was because he played the large giant in The Princess Bride. So that was his acting credit. Yeah, so in the end, the hippo is no match for the boulder, and the boulder throws him out of the ring. And the next match up is the boulder versus Fire Nation Man. And Fire Nation Man is this dude who is proudly carrying the Fire Nation flag as he comes into the ring, and he asks everyone to rise for the Fire Nation national anthem. And he sings, Fire Lord, my flame burns for thee. <laughs> That was beautiful. Yeah, and at first I thought like, oh, what's his accent? I just, I didn't know. I couldn't like pin it down, but it's Russian. It's very clearly Russian. Okay, I'm bad at (laughs) accents, okay? I'm sorry. A fun fact is that Fire Nation Man, the character, is a reference to wrestling's tradition of ersatz or bad guys. Obviously, all these different characters are characters. I think wrestling is just a big spectacle where there's drama and there's characters and it's very like crazy and and overblown. So during the Cold War, some of these bad guys in wrestling, uh, a lot of them were supposedly from Russia, but they were actually just Americans who were playing Russians to Mm -hmm. like be the bad guy and introduce some conflict and get the crowd all riled up. So this was definitely inspired by that. And yeah, most notably during that time, there was this guy named Nikolai Volkov, who was known for singing the Soviet Union's national anthem prior to <laughs> these matches. Uh, and uh, the crowd would go, boo, and like, you know, all gang up on him. And so, yeah, Fire Nation Man was only a stage name. Uh, and he's not actually from the Fire Nation. Yeah, he was just there to, you know. Get the crowd hyped. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. But he is no match for the boulder, and he is thrown out of the ring as well. And then in the interim, we see that Badger Morals are acting like Zambonis cleaning up the arena between matches, which is pretty dope. And then we see a montage of the boulder destroying everyone, and all their, there are all these different wrestling characters that show up. Yeah, and I just thought it was really cool animation that they do here. So it's kind of a different art style from what we've seen. It looks a little comic booky or graphic novel mm-hmm. like with all these like dark black lines kind of emphasizing the action oh yeah that's cool it's also pretty cool because the wrestlers are all from like very different parts of wrestling like some of them are obviously inspired from wwe some of them look like they're luchadors from like lucha libre wrestling from mexico mm-hmm. it's also cool mm-hmm. to think about like you said like the whole spectacle aspect of it Come to think of it, and this is a thought I just had, like Avatar actually spends a lot of time talking about plays and, you know, and and things of that nature with Ember Island players and also um, the play that Zuko's mom loves so much. And then Shinfu announces, now the moment you've all been waiting for, the boulder versus your champion, the blind bandit. 
Yeah, and this is when we get to finally meet Toph, but I thought the way they introduced her was really cool. So the camera is angled upwards at her, so she looks really big, but then all of a sudden it's revealed that she's really tiny and short compared to the girls who are kind of hosting the match. Like, they take away her cape, and they take away her championship belt, and she's like half the size of them. So I didn't even realize she was that small. I don't think that makes very much sense that she's half the size of these full-grown adults. Actually, no, that does kind of make sense because she's only 12. Anyways, I just thought it was cool because, again, we just like our expectations are totally Mm -hmm. flipped on their heads. And then it cuts to Katara and she's like, she can't really be blind. That's just part of her character. And Aang sees her eyes and he's like, I think she is. And then Sokka, who's been this (laughs) uber wrestling fan this whole time, is like, I think she's going down. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one of Sokka's best moments in this episode, I thought. But yeah, just tough facts. She's voiced by an actress named Jessie Flower. And when asked how she relates to Toph in an interview, Flower mentioned that she also has horrible eyesight, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> uh, and also Jessie Flower voices Suyin Beifong in Korra, which I thought was cool as well. Which, you know, they are related, oh, so kind of makes sense. They seem they seem like they have very different voices. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, she was also super young when she voiced Toph, you know, so. Yeah, and then so Toph makes some jokes and she starts laughing. And then oh, Toph calls the boulder the pebble, which is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she laughs. And then Aang has his flashback to uh, the girl he saw in the swamp who laughed. And he realizes that they're the same person. Um, So he realizes that she is meant to be his teacher or she's someone important. And then it goes back to the fight and Toph can detect the boulder's foot moving and anticipate where, you know, he's moving. And then so she's able to do some little earth bending and then which causes him to go into a split and he yells out in pain. And then she just flicks her wrist and sends him out of the arena. And I just have a fun fact about the inspiration behind this sort of seismic sense. Um, so it's kind of similar to a practice called Chi Saw. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, which is performed in Southern Chinese Kung Fu. So it's a drill where your like one's senses are honed to anticipate an opponent's next move based on like the slightest little movement that they make. You gotta just like anticipate your opponent's moves without relying on sight or anything like that. So. There's one more fun fact I I could add, and that's that there's a little bit of inspiration uh, for this kind of seismic sensing uh, in real life animals. So there's one animal called the Middle East blind mole rat, and there's also the banner tailed kangaroo rat that actually communicate using vibrations. So they kind of have this seismic sensing ability, and that's kind of based on real life animals. Also, the animation here is just really cool. I think the first time, I mean, like, you have no idea what Toph's whole shtick is, right? Like, how is this little girl so good at, like, how is she beating all these people? And then, like, the moment, like, she's just standing there, and then the moment the boulder does something, it goes black and white, and then you see the vibrations of the earth, and, you know, I think on, like, rewatching it, we're all kind of used to that, but I think the imagining it through fresh eyes or for seeing it for the first time it's pretty cool yeah totally agreed i think that was really well done and then katara is just so flustered she's like how did she do that and then Aang 
knows, she waited and listened. And then Shinfu spices up Earth Rumble 6 by offering up a sack of gold to anyone that can defeat the blind bandit. And Aang needs to talk to her, so he says he's going to face her. And then Toph asks him, do people really want to see two little girls fighting out here? And Aang's like, no, no, I don't want to fight you. I want to talk to you. And then they fight. And Aang is able to avoid all of Toph's attacks. Um, and Toph can't find him as easily because he's kind of so light on his feet because he's using airbending to move around. And so Toph can't sense him. And so that confuses her. And Aang is able to finally airbend Toph out of the arena. And basically he wins. This is also where Aang gets his nickname Twinkle Toes. Because he's so <laughs> yeah. light on his feet. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I find it kind of funny because Aang here is technically the champion of Earth Rumble 6. So that's um foreshadowing and maybe lineage, you know, connections to Ooh. Korra being a pro bender. <laughs> Wait, that's actually really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so she has more in her blood than she realizes. That already wasn't fair, though, and it isn't fair in this case, too, because they're the Avatar, so they shouldn't be competing in these competitions anyways. Mm. Well, the judge did rule. If she only uses one element, it doesn't matter, you know? I know, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. So in the next scene, uh, the boulder is suspicious of the kid, and he swears that he saw no earthbending, because remember, Air- Aang only airbended. And the boulder says, she must have taken a dive and split the money with the kid. And Shinfu says, nobody cheats Shinfu. Yeah, dun dun dun. So he also talks in the third person. <laughs> Maybe that's just the pro wrestling area, pro earthbending thing. I don't know. So the next scene is Team Avatar trespassing on the Beifong residence. And they're sneaking around when all of a sudden Toph earthbends them into the air um, out of their hiding spot. And she says, what are you doing here, Twinkle Toes? <laughs> How did you find me? And then Katara explains why they're there, and she says that Aang is the Avatar, and he needs to master earthbending to defeat the Fire Lord. And Toph's like, get out of here. Like, she doesn't care that he's the Avatar, which I think makes a lot of sense for Toph. And also, I feel like this is kind of funny. I thought it was Toph would be the first one to kind of reject him, but then also... Zhang Zhang didn't want to teach him at first as well. Mm-hmm. So the Avatar card, I feel like, has worked out fewer times for them. as It's, like, been more bad than good. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Toph is like, help, help, and then the guards come. Uh, and then it flashes to the Beifeng residence, and and Toph's father and Master Yu are talking, and Toph's father asks about Toph's training and wants to make sure that she's not trying anything too dangerous or strenuous. Yeah, uh, so just some fun facts here. The song that's playing during this scene uh, when Master Yu is talking to Lao Beifeng is called The Jasmine Flower or Mo Li Hua. And I feel like just going to Chinese school and stuff when I was younger, like hearing it in Chinese, I was like, oh my gosh, wait, I do recognize that song. And then I looked it up and it's, um, a, tra- it's a very famous traditional Chinese folk song and it goes like, I can't even do it. It goes like, I don't know. Okay, I'm not even going to try. Anyways, it's used later as the theme for the Beifang family throughout the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was cool that they take a very, very well-known Chinese folk song and then um, associate it with the Beifang family. Anyways, um, another fun fact is Toph is the only member of Team Avatar with a known last name. But then I was like, wait a second. Is that a goof? Because 
I think their names are clearly inspired by Mandarin, but most of the time, Chinese last names are only one character. Also, just just a note on the name. Apparently, Beifang translates roughly to like northern direction or like north. Um, I don't know if that has any significance, but I guess that's, that's just what it means. Um, and a note on Toph's name. Uh, I saw I read somewhere that Toph can be seen as sort of a pun on the words tough and in the general sense and the word Toph. T-O-F-F, which is a British slang word meaning upper class. And tofu. (laughs) (laughs) What's the hidden meaning there? (laughs) (laughs) Soft on the inside, hard on the outside, and yummy. Okay. Uh, And then Master Yu responds to Toss' father and he says, Absolutely not. I'm keeping her at the beginner's level. Basic forms and breathing exercises only. So the next scene is Team Avatar being invited into the Beifang residence because he is the Avatar and the Beifangs have great respect for the Avatar, unlike Toph. And so, yeah, Toph is clearly not pleased that they're there because they know too much and they're also bothering her. And so they have this little footsie back and forth tiff and eventually it ends with Aang sneezing and spraying food all over everybody just to get back at her. And then after dinner, Toph goes up to Team Avatar in the room that they're staying in. And just a real quick note, at the beginning of this scene, Aang actually says goodnight buddy to Appa, who is outside of the room. And he's petting Appa through the window. And I just thought it was a nice moment. And I noticed it because I feel like we were talking about a lot in, for example, The Cave of Two Lovers, where how like Appa is always conveniently missing when they're inside or, you know, he just doesn't fit into the shot. But I thought it was a really cute detail that they kept him in mind and just slipped in this quick line where Aang is saying goodnight to Appa. But then anyways, Toph says, look, I'm sorry about dinner. Let's call it a truce, okay? And then Toph and Aang go for a stroll in the garden. And Toph says, even though I was born blind, I've never had a problem seeing. I see with earth bending. It's kind of like seeing with my feet. I feel the vibrations in the earth and I can see where everything is. And then she points to these ants that are a few meters away at least. And she's like, I can even see those ants over there. And I read this online that somebody pointed out that this detail is really great because I it allows the audience to buy into Toph's seismic sense just and, and get a real feeling for how accurate and how good it is. And it allows us to mm. kind of accept the premise that she is like able to see just as well, if not better than like everybody else. And I thought that was a really good point. But of course, you know, there are the downsides where she can't see things in the air and then there are the blind jokes and Aang says, that's amazing. And Toph says, my parents don't understand. They've always treated me like I'm helpless. And Aang says, why stay here then where you're not happy? Yeah, I just thought this was a really interesting comment because Aang is like actually perplexed that she's staying with her parents as a 12 year old, even though she's not happy, even though that's like the only place she can be really. So I don't know. I thought that was just interesting that because Aang doesn't really have the concept of a family ever. So it's just an interesting detail. And then Toph says, they're my parents. Where else am I supposed to go? And Aang says, you could come with us. And Toph says, yeah, you guys get to go wherever you want. No one telling you what to do. That's the life. It's just not my life. And I thought this reminded me of 
Princess Jasmine from Aladdin. And then he takes her (laughs) on his magic flying carpet, just like Aang and the rest of Team Avatar take Toph on their magical flying oppa and they see the whole world and it's beautiful. So there you go. There's the Disney reference. There's your, th- yeah, for there this you episode. Go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then Toph all of a sudden detects that they're being ambushed and all the earthbending competitors and Shinfu show up. And I just thought, wow, they have really shitty security for the richest people in the world. First, Aang got in. <laughs> uh, and then now all these people get in at night and it just, no one's there to stop them. The rest of them are inside apparently just like... N- all the security guards, I don't know. Like, no one's on night shift. It's, like, kind of <laughs> silly. <laughs> yeah, pretty silly. There's one thing I read that was pretty cool about this moment. Toph actually puts her hand down to the ground to, like, kind of reinforce her vibrations of the area. And someone was saying that this is likely a reference to the fact that when Toph learned, she learned from the badger moles. Uh, who are on all fours and when she like when she has a flashback of when she's learning she's like a baby crawling on all fours Mm -hmm. like doing earth bending so it's just a reference to the fact that she probably learned like on all fours because she can sense vibrations both with her feet and her hands that's cool which i thought was cool Mm -hmm. and then cut to the next scene real quick katara and sokka find the ransom note that they left in the garden and sokka freaks out because he has now has the boulders autograph which is which was also a great Sokka moment in this episode. Yeah. So Toph's dad musters up the ransom for his daughter, and they all depart to find and look for Aang. And finally, and finally they get to the arena, and as they're exchanging money, Toph's dad gives the ransom for Toph, and they go to get Aang, but then Shinfu is like, why would I exchange Aang? I'm going to get a pretty penny giving him to the Fire Nation. And then Toph is asked to help by Sokka and Katara. So Toph is reluctant, and then she decides to help. And she earthbends the entire team <laughs> uh, of wrestlers out in one fell swoop. And and then she enters like this giant cloud, um, kind of reminding me of the episode with the pirates. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And she walks into the dust cloud, but instead of complete chaos, she can see every single person. So it's actually some pretty good juxtaposition. Yeah. yeah. And she's true. able to take them out one by one. And meanwhile, Sokka is trying to free Aang from his metal cage. Yeah, and he's smashing this tiny little rock against the metal cage. And it's just like, in what world would that work? And apparently in the Avatar world, that does work. So really, why did Toph ever need to learn metal bending? Because it eventually Mm -hmm. opens up. Yeah, I thought that was Yeah, if you just knock on it hard enough, it'll eventually open up. Yeah. Yeah, meanwhile, Master Yu's sitting next to Toph's father, completely slack-jawed. And he's like, I never knew your daughter was so amazing. And then Toph finally fights Shin Fu and she spits and Toph's father makes like like a horrified face. Anyway, then Toph takes him out and Sokka faints and Aang and Katara are just going absolutely crazy. And then Master Yu declares she's the greatest earthbender I've ever seen, which is pretty cool mm-hmm. coming from Master mm-hmm. Yu. Yeah, and meanwhile, Toph's dad's face is just, like, still sad. Yeah. He's still, like, in distress. And so we 
cut back to the Beifang residence once again, and Toph is giving this poignant uh, speech to her dad. And she says, Dad, I know it's probably hard for you to see me this way, but the obedient little helpless blind girl that you think I am just isn't me. I love fighting. I love being an earthbender, and I'm really, really good at it. I know I've kept my life secret from you, but you were keeping me secret from the world. You were doing it to protect me, but I'm 12 years old and I've never had a real friend. So now that you see me for who I really am, I hope it doesn't change the way you feel about me. They do this bait and switch where the dad is like, oh yeah, nothing's changed and I've made a realization. And then he says, I've let you have far too much freedom. From now on, you'll be cared for and guarded 24 hours a day. Yeah, and oh my gosh, I think this scene is definitely one of the best in this episode for me, just because I think we get to see such raw emotion from Toph. At the end, you know, like Team Avatar leaves and they're like, we're sorry. And then Toph's like, I'm sorry too, goodbye. And then, you know, tears are streaming down her face. And I just think it's one of her most her saddest moments. It it actually made me think of when she was in this series finale when she's like hanging from Sokka's arm. Like mm-hmm. it's one of her most helpless, most like just saddest moments ever. And I think that's really rare to see from Toph. And you really like, it is really crushing because that was the one outlet she had. And she was finally, you know, she finally came clean about it. And I think she was, I think she was really expecting her parents to be really proud of her. And then, like, mm-hmm. now it's, like, everything that she has to live for in the world is just gone <sighs> in this moment. And, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, also, just a, yeah. a side note, when she said, but I'm 12 years old and I've never had a real friend, I thought that line was going somewhere different. I thought she was going to say, like, but I'm 12 years old and I should be able to, like, do whatever I want. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but I'm glad it wasn't that because I feel like that would have been silly. I was expecting her to be like, you know how kids are like, I'm 13 now. Like, I should be able to do whatever I want. But this was a lot sadder. <laughs> this was a lot sadder. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's night and the gang is preparing to leave. And it's also nighttime and the Beifangs don't offer them like to stay at their place, which is a little surprising. Like... I guess they are like really stingy and, you know, not as hospitable as other people. Yeah. Well, I guess the Avatar just like basically. Yeah. Spoiled their daughter kind of. Like uprooted their entire life. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So maybe they're not the most friendly. Um, So they're packing up to leave. And out of nowhere, right before they leave, Toph comes out and she's like, yeah, my dad changed his mind and he's letting me travel the world now. Um, And so... She's part of the team now. And then, not so fast, the next scene is Toph's father offering up a bunch of money to Master Yu and Shin Fu. And he says, the Avatar has kidnapped my daughter. I want you guys to do whatever it takes to bring her home. So Toph was clearly lying about, you know, her parents' change of heart. And yeah, the rest of the team does not know that. So Toph is flying (laughs) away with them in the very last scene. And she just looks so content and free. And Avatar love is playing in the background. And it's nice. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a... Uh, serene ending so that concludes this episode and we're gonna get on to our readings cool i'm gonna give this episode a four i think it's a solid episode the good side of it is that 
we meet Toph, and I think dedicating an episode to her, while it did have its downsides, it was kind of boring at times. It was a very in- good introduction to Toph and explores like her relationship with her father and some of her uh, like more emotional moments, as Joyce said, which is pretty cool. Also, it was just really funny at times. Like there were a lot of a lot of good funny soccer moments and like pro wrestling moments in this episode. But yeah, the downside, I, I guess, there was no Zuko part to it, which is always a bummer, and also. It just got kind of a little a drag at times, but overall solid episode. It's like a three or a four. I'll give it a four for humor. I don't know. Yeah, there's no Zuko. Even then, the plot is not super compelling. It's too uh, on the surface. It's not really deep. I, I just read The um, the Rift, which is one of the graphic novels. Uh, thank you, Anne, for lending that to me. <laughs> and like that, I feel like is a much more compelling exploration of Toph's relationship with her dad. They both just seem so one-dimensional in this episode. I don't know. It's not very enjoyable, or like doesn't have great rewatch value. So for that reason, it's a four. Okay, I'm actually shocked. So I gave it a six, which I thought was already low for this episode, just because I feel like it is held in such. Uh, high regard by the rest of the Avatar community. But yeah, like for example, fun fact, this episode was ranked number 12 in the top 100 greatest moments in Nicktoon history. And it won an animation award known as an Annie for best character animation in television. So yeah, I I don't know. I agree with basically everything you guys said, but I think I'm just going higher because I did think it was funny. And I think really the only reason for me why I didn't enjoy it as much this time was because we already know Toph and we know her story. And and then the rest of it is just wrestling references, which I think, which I can't relate to. I don't know. I was thinking if this was like a bigger thing back in the day. I read somebody's (laughs) review of the episode where they were talking about how they would remember sitting on the couch at night with their whole family watching wrestling on TV. And it was like always on. So I, I don't know. And clearly the creators have a soft spot for this wrestling culture too. But I, I think it was fun, but I couldn't get super into it. But yeah, I think it sets up, up Toph really well. I think Sokka really shines in this episode. And <laughs> I thought the last fight was pretty fun to watch. For that reason, I'll give it a six. Cool. Cool. So that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of The Blind Bandit. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesdays, so we'll see you next time for our discussion of Zuko Alone. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Flamio, Hotman. <laughs>